this is the Minds and Memoirs podcast. I am Jake Maynard, a third year student at the University of Texas at Austin, studying business with interests in behavioral economics and mental health. And I'm Jordi Bach. I'm a rising senior at Washington University in St. Louis. I study psychology, neuroscience, philosophy, and computer science with an interest in mental health, just like Jake. This is episode one, and we're going to be diving into different ways uh, mental health impacts people's lives, everybody's lives. We're going to start off by reading two anonymous stories about people's personal experiences with mental health and its impact on them. Uh, These different stories are from online forums, blog pages, and, and other resources that we can find online. Then we'll hear from our first guest, Ivy Watts, a public speaker about mental health, and we'll finish off by talking to Dr. Thomas Altmans, who is an expert in mental health and personality disorders. So to get a little deeper into the topic of the impacts, mental health impacts everyone. It's not just about people who are diagnosed or have specific disorders. It's everyone. We all deal with mental health, good and bad, on a daily basis. It's about our daily moods, our thoughts and feelings, how we cope with stress, even about our relationships to those around us. Mental health is like a spectrum. It's fluid, too. There are good days and there are bad days. Sometimes there's stress and anxiety that builds up to the point of having a panic attack. Uh, Yeah, and there's also different severity where one day you may feel sad, um, you may feel okay, another day you may feel sad, but you can't get out of bed. So there's, there's difference in, in you know, how severe that, that day impacts you. So, you know, what do we mean by impacts? We're, we're talking about how mental health influences the various aspects of our lives, like from our relationships to others, uh, with our school and our work, and, and much more. So what we want to know is, if your mental health isn't doing so great, what does that mean for, say, your daily routine? How does your routine change or not change? When you're struggling with mental health in one way or another. So we can kind of break it up into two categories. There can be external impacts and internal impacts. Mental health can change your long-term and short-term actions negatively, but it can also impact your, uh, it can impact you internally in a way that feels hopeless, but is not affecting your life from the outside looking in. So why are we talking about the impacts? Well, of course, mental health is important on its own, But understanding how it extends to other parts of our lives is a crucial part of the overall concept of mental health and how to manage it. If something seems off in a part of your life, recognizing that it might be because of your mental health struggles is an important first step to addressing both your mental health and that life issue in an effective way. We'll get into this more in episode two, which is about the signs of mental health. Now that we've got some background, we are going to get into telling some stories. Our first story is about a girl's life and experience with mental health found on NAMI's main website. NAMI stands for National Alliance on Mental Illness. The story is about a girl who grew up in a stable environment and had no apparent reason to struggle with mental health. But as she got older, she started noticing a change in her behavior. How she felt, thought, and acted began to differ. She sought attention, good or bad. She experienced extreme insecurity and a lack of self-confidence. Societal expectations began to drive her motivations in a way that always left her feeling unfulfilled. Her mental health worsened as the years went on and more impacts began to affect her. 
She obsessed over her weight and appearance. Eventually, she struggled with everyday tasks, including missing school and failing classes, sleeping throughout the day and crying a lot. She said, but why? I was popular and pretty. I came from a great family. I was involved in cheerleading and dancing, and I had tons of friends. I had everything. So how could I feel so sad? During her sophomore year of high school, she was diagnosed with an eating disorder, depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder. She sought help and was admitted to a hospital for treatment, where she thought all of her problems would be solved. However, that was not the case. The treatment program did little to help her. She was in and out of treatment for several years after that. She said, I didn't get to graduate high school on time, perform in dance recitals, go to senior prom, or enjoy holidays with my family. I began to surround myself with people who made me inadequate, and I pushed my family away thinking they were trying to hurt me. Eventually, she came to terms with her mental health conditions, and she became grateful for the good days and the bad days. To recap, let's think about some of the impacts of her mental health that so heavily affected her life. She was hospitalized for treatment, meaning she couldn't go to school. She was separated from her normal life and from the people around her. She missed important life events like graduation, senior prom, and she was struggling in school, missing out in class, failing grades, and it was just holding her back because of it. Right, and these are the impacts that we've seen um, affect her, right? These are all the things that, she, that have impacted her, uh, all the ways that her life has been impacted. And really, the key takeaway that, that she got from that was, you know, being grateful for the, for the good impacts and the bad impacts, as there are both of them. And, and she came to see that, but it took her a while. It took her a very long while to, to recognize, but, but she really found that being grateful for the good things, the bad things, the good days, the bad days, um, was, was helpful in, in to coming to terms with her mental health conditions. This next story from beyondblue.org is an anonymous forum post about a woman who struggles with mental health impacts internally. Instead of showing the ways mental health impacts your life, for everyone to see, this story showcases the internal impacts mental health can have on your life, even when everything on the outside seems perfect. As everything in this person's life seemed okay, they did not feel the same. From the outside looking in, it was perfect. They had a nice house, they had a family, kids, their career was one that many would be grateful for. It was a picture of a perfect life. However, this person felt shattered, empty, and hopeless. They are feeling empty with no emotions, just trying to make it through the day. They feel trapped by the financial and emotional responsibility for their family. As they describe the internal impact of the detrimental mental health, they say, I just want to run away, be on my own, or vanish. No friends, no fun, no future. Isolation. Never enough. Not seen, not heard not cared for, like I don't exist. Weekends, I retreat. Sleep is my solace in my company. It kills me to put that mask on again for the week ahead. To avoid, how was your weekend? When I wish I could answer, I didn't leave the house. I stayed in my bed and cried, but I'm still alive. I hate who I've become. 
The internal impacts of their mental health condition have left them feeling isolated, lonely, and like nothing. They live in their own twilight zone, sleepwalking through life. They only wonder if anyone else feels the same. This highlights the internal impacts, which is so much harder to justify when seeking help or when just trying to understand the mental health struggles they're going through because it's all hidden. Having to pretend like everything is fine and when it's easy to do so because from the outside looking in, it is fine, at least by society's expectations. But how many people feel like this, just like this person does? Let's take a guess and put the amount in perspective. If I had to take a guess, I think, I mean, if you were to walk into a room of, of 10 people, I would say at least at least one or two people probably feel like this, um, maybe a little bit more. Um, what do you think, Jordy? Yeah, I think it's very, very common for your internal struggles to be hidden from other people and even people you think you know pretty well might be struggling in ways that that you never realized yeah and i think you see it across you know different age groups um people in 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 school whether it's you know high school college um, but also people who you know have started their adult lives and and are working uh, in the workforce Um, they get stuck in their job they get stuck you know, with with a family, and it really um, it kind of it kind of takes a toll because you kind of feel trapped. Um, but you have to uh, pretend like, oh, look, you know, from the outside, everything seems great. It seems perfect. I have a family. I have the job. Yada yada. But at the end of the day, internally, they're suffering, um, and it's it's so hard. It's so hard to tell how many people are like that. The number is probably much higher than anyone can can really um, put uh, you know estimate. So. Yeah, and there's this stigma around mental health where people are embarrassed to talk about it. They don't want to seem weak. They don't want to. Uh, yeah, they don't want to seem weak, and so they hold it in, and they never, they never get to let their feelings out and try to get help. So now that we've heard some anonymous stories, we're going to talk to our first guest today, Ivy Watts. She's a mental health advocate and a public speaker. By telling her own personal story about mental health to students, athletes, and more, she talks about breaking down the stigma around mental health, how to care for your own mental health, and how to look out for others' well-being. Thank you, Ivy, for joining us on the Minds and Memoirs podcast. Uh, we really appreciate your time and your willingness to come on here and talk to us about mental health and the impacts of mental health. So to start off, could you, well, first, if you want to introduce yourself and say a little who, of who you are, um, and then tell us your story of your own personal mental health journey up to this point. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm really honored to be a guest and um, I am a mental health empowerment speaker. So I share my story about my struggle with my mental health as a student athlete um, and beyond. And I'll talk about that in a, in a moment, but um, it's been a real honor to be able to work with students and student athletes and coaches and administrators sharing my story and tools for mental wellness and self-care. Um, to really help to break the stigma and empower others to know they're not alone and to know that they can reach out and get help and start their own unique mental wellness journey. Um, so I struggled with my mental health for most of my life. I started running track when I was eight years old. And when I started running track, it was around the same time that I also began struggling with my mental health. I had a lot of negative self-talk and anxiety from a young age, but at that young of an age, I didn't know what those feelings were and that I could talk about them. I really grew up believing a lot of the stigma around mental health problems. So I believed that when society told me that if I talked about what I was going through, that it would be a, a sign of weakness. And I, I often had this kind of perfectionist mindset. And that really told me, you know, if I, if I need the world to see me as perfect, then I can't be labeled as weak and talk about these feelings that I'm having. Um, and so unfortunately, I struggled in silence through middle school and high school and college as well. Um, and being a student athlete, the pressures and expectations really became too much for me because I had this untreated anxiety that I didn't know that I could reach out for. And so the mental health problems just continued to, to pile up. And because I had this perfectionist mindset, I always felt like I was falling short of the expectations of others and of myself. But despite all of the struggles that I was having with anxiety and negative self-talk and depression, um, no one really recognized that I was struggling because I looked like I had it all together because that's exactly what I wanted them to see. So, you know, I was doing well and had this, you know, quote unquote, perfect life um, on the outside, but was really struggling internally. And, you know, thankfully was able to finally get help for myself through therapy a couple of years after college. And that was really huge for me to, start my healing journey and to learn the power of self-love and to work through a lot of the anxiety and self-hate that I had um, for so many years. And so now use that struggle to, again, really try to empower others and break the stigma. But I still struggle with, you know, the same things that I was struggling with earlier on in my life, but I now just have, you know, active supports through therapy and my family and self-care techniques that I know work for me. Um, so that's that's the difference there is that I struggle still and that's okay, but, and, and recognizing that's okay, but having the tools now, whereas before in the past, I didn't have the tools um, and I didn't feel empowered. I was terrified of reaching out for that help. Yeah. Um, well, thank you just for sharing um, such personal things and uh, opening up. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah. So, what would you say is the most significant impact that mental health has had on your life? Yeah, I think that um, mental health has impacted me in a you know positive and um, a tough way, I should say, and maybe not necessarily negative, but you know I think probably the biggest impact in a in a tough way was just because of the the stigma. Um, I think it just really did keep me from talking about it. And I think when I look back on my life, I think I still would have had 
the struggles that I probably had, um, but I think I would have had the tools to work through them better because I think, right, struggles, hard times, bad days are inevitable in our lives, but I would have had those tools to work through them. So I think the stigma around mental health, although it's getting better, um, I know it still exists for many of us and that fear of you know, judgment from others or uh, being a burden on somebody else, that, that fear existed for me and I know exists still for so many. Um, so I would say that that probably was the biggest impact because I wasn't able to get help earlier on. My struggles were that much more heightened. Um, and I think in a positive way, I think I've learned so much now that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to to have those those bad days. And I think, you know, as I mentioned, I have just developed a lot of really great tools for myself through exercise and mindfulness, um, journaling, and just like the power of positivity to really help my own mental wellness journey. Um, and so that's been, I think, really impactful. Um, and also just like, this is my line of work now, right? So I'm able to use the struggles that I had, um, at, you know, hopefully for good to, to try to help other people. So I think that that's ultimately been the biggest impact of mental health of, on my life which is just learning about warning signs and getting educated and, you know, having firsthand experience with therapy and being able to share that information with people. Um, so that's, I think, been one of the biggest impacts. Yeah. Um, that I, um, I like what you're saying. I like that you talked about the positive impact as well as the um, less positive, um, because I feel like that's something that's easy to overlook is the, um, the the positive side, especially when talking about, you know, mental health challenges. Um, so yeah. Um, and also stigma, I think is going to be a rather recurring theme, um, on our podcast. Uh, and it's sort of part of why we're doing this, I think, um, right. to try to combat the stigma. Um, I'm interested the because you were an athlete growing up um how would you say your mental health impacted your career as an athlete and if there was a connection there yeah definitely i think you know the biggest parts of it was just the expectations and pressures of being a student athlete i mean i think we all experience expectations and pressures whether you're an athlete or not um, but i think just being in the high school setting and then going to a division two college. I ran at University of New Haven. And, you know, my coaches just put a lot of pressure on me from day one. From the first day, we were told that we needed to get on diets. And that kind of communicated the message to me that, you know, my body wasn't good enough to compete at the level that I was at. And so that fueled some anxiety and disordered eating patterns as well. And so I think just the the expectations and pressures and, and additional stress and, you know, in addition to trying to figure out who you are and what you want to do in life and, um, you know, school stress and personal stress. So all of these things, I think, kind of added on with the pressures of being an athlete uh, became too much for me. And then in particular, I had this one particular goal that I wanted to run. I was a 400 runner. And so my goal was to run 54 seconds in the 400. And I had told myself that if I didn't, you know, run this time that I said was like a perfect time, uh, that my you know entire track career would be worthless. So like from day one, like my coaches are telling me you need to run this time. I'm telling myself I need to run this time, and so like it's like all this pressure going into this one time, and all this like self worth going into this time as well. And so you know, every time I wasn't running that time, 
I just continued to feel like a failure. And I think my anxiety and the negative self-talk that I had unfortunately kept me from running that time, even though I was physically capable of running 54 seconds, you know, my mental state was just so negative weighing me down, right? Cause they're so con- in- interconnected, our mental health and our physical health. And so um, I was struggling so deeply mentally that it was keeping me from uh, competing at the level that I, I could have. Um, so I think that, that was definitely a big connection there too, of the impact of my mental health on my athletic performance. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's true. I mean, I was, I played baseball in high school um, yeah. and I can relate to the high pressure um, placed on student athletes because you have the pressure mm-hmm. of school and then the pressure from your coaches. Um, and yeah, it, it's a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I know you're now a public speaker, like you mentioned, Um how uh, you said a little bit about um, how you got into it, but could you go into some detail about kind of how and why you decided um, publicly speaking about mental health? Yeah, good question. So after I was able to finally get help for myself, I really wanted to just figure out how I could share with others, like the same healing benefit that I was getting through therapy and self-love and just like the self-work that I was doing. And I really just wanted to know how I could just help others to feel that that same way and to feel less alone. Cause I know when I was in my struggle, I felt that I was alone and that no one was going to understand. And again, that it was just safer and simpler to just keep it all on the inside. And so I really wanted to let other people know that they weren't alone and that they had a voice that they could reach out for help, whether that was through a professional or to a friend or a coach, a teammate, a, a professor or a teacher, whoever, a parent, whoever it was, um, and know that they could get that help. So I think really the healing benefits that I was receiving from therapy was something I wanted to share with other people. So I started a blog and um, my blog, I, st- I still blog Beautifully Simply You. I started talking about you know my own mental health challenges and providing tips and tools. And that was great, but I didn't feel like I was making as much of a, a reach as I wanted to. And so that's when I was like, okay, what else can I kind of do to, to connect with more students, student athletes and adults. And so uh, I started speaking and kind of the rest is, is history. And I've been able to use my blog um, as well to have a further reach as well. But um, I just really wanted to figure out how I could use the, the healing energy I was, I was getting from therapy and to spread the message to, to help others to know that they could also, you know, reach out to, for help. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Um, it's awesome. And so um, during your time um, as a speaker, I assume you've been kind of traveling around and getting to meet uh, lots of people. Um, have you kind of found some common impact on people's lives that maybe they share with you um, impacts from their mental health? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think um, what I hear from a lot of people, and so I speak with student athletes, but I also speak with the general student body. I speak with, you know, just parents in general or educators um, as well, coaches. So I speak with a lot of different folks. And so, you know, I think I just constantly hear from people the desire to be perfect 
Um, I hear that from a lot of students that there's a lot of pressure on them, that even if someone isn't telling them they need to be perfect, it feels like they need to be perfect. And so they need to, you know, be getting perfect grades and be doing perfect in all their extracurricular activities. They need to have, you know, the perfect job, the perfect relationship, the perfect life. And so that can be really overwhelming to try to have perfection in every area of your life when perfection is, you know, what is perfection, right? It's this like unattainable ideal that just makes us feel bad about ourselves because we're always going to be falling short of what someone else's idea of perfection is versus our idea versus society's idea. And so I think I hear from so many people that they're just trying to be perfect and it just makes them feel bad about themselves and then leads to that negative self-talk. And I think also with them, you know, wanting to be perfect, similar to me, they kind of have this outer appearance to the world that they're happy and that they've got it all together when they might be really struggling. So I think they often like fail, fall under the, the radar of a coach or a friend reaching out to them um, to check in on them. So I hear that a lot as well. And then in the athletic world, I think I often hear from student athletes that maybe their coach kind of isn't there in terms of like hearing them when they're coming to them about their mental health struggles and maybe kind of having some of that stigmatizing language and brushing it off as insignificant or, you know, kind of telling them to, to suck it up in a way. Um, or that if they go to seek out professional help on, you know, their campus counseling center, that the answer from the counseling center is to just, you know, quit their sport when that's not necessarily what they're looking for. So, you know, for someone who maybe is an athlete, maybe your therapist is telling you to like, well, just like, you know, don't do that, you know, don't be part of that club when maybe that's not what that person's looking for. So I think, um, kind of having that person, finding a therapist, right. That, that connects with you to, to help you to through that pressure rather than just removing that pressure, which can be the, the, you know, what someone needs, but it might not always be what someone needs. Yeah. Great. Um, really interesting stuff. Um, I think that is, yeah, that'll wrap it up. Um, okay. So yeah, thank you again so much for your time. Um, and for talking to us about some of the impacts of mental health and about, um, yeah, public speaking and everything. So great. Um, and I guess to finish off, if you wanted to um, give like plug your blog again or anything or your website or not. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so my blog is beautifullysimplyyou.com. So I post, I used to post every Monday, um, but I have not, I've been taking care of myself and I've not been posting as frequently, mm -hmm. but there's tons and tons and tons of blogs for a lot from the last four years. So feel free to check that out. Um, and then my speaking website is ivywattspeaks.com. Um, and you can find me on social media um, at ivywattspeaks. That's for Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So uh, yeah, feel free to, to check me out. I'd love to connect if anyone ever wants to chat. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Now to recap on that conversation, I feel like a few of the things that really stood out were, you know, this pressure from others and, and, and from herself uh, for Ivy, but also if you take that um, and extrapolate it, the pressure that you put on yourself as an individual, um, also the perfection um, for st uh, or striving for perfection. So striving for perfection is, you know, this idea that you have to be the best or, you know, you have to be better. Um, to, to some 
extreme standard, often impossible standard to meet. Um, and Ivy discovered that that just wasn't, um, you know, perfection is, is impossible. And so striving for that in, in all the added pressure, um, you know, it just, it over, it becomes overwhelming. A lot of those uh, struggles, um, that come from pressures, uh, it just becomes extremely overwhelming. Uh, and it kind of creates a perfect storm for everything that seems put together on the outside, but on the inside, there's inner turmoil that just doesn't, doesn't make sense, uh, from, from the outside looking in. And you can see the connection between Ivy's experience and the experience of the anonymous stories we read where their lives seem put together on the outside, but on the inside they are suffering. Now that we've gone over those stories about mental health impacts, let's get into some facts and figures behind those stories. To help us out with that, is our next guest, Dr. Thomas Altmans. Dr. Altmans is a research professor at WashU in St. Louis. He's specialized previously in schizophrenia and OCD, and now focuses on studying personality disorders. Yeah, welcome, Dr. Altmans, to the Minds and Memoirs podcast. Um, we appreciate having you on, and thank you for your time. Hopefully, we can learn some good stuff about the impacts of mental health. Uh, yeah, so to start us off, could you just give us a little breakdown of your area of focus? Well, uh, I'm a college professor. I'm, I work at WashU. I uh, teach abnormal psychology. I do research on uh, personality, stress, um, health in later life. And, uh, (laughs) that's, that's about it. I, my career began in the field of schizophrenia research. So my work has kind of cut the gamut from things that are considered to be very serious forms of psychopathology to, um, problems that don't necessarily lead to treatment on a high frequency basis, but I nevertheless think they're important issues. That's great. Um, so our first question is, in what ways are personality, personality disorders different from other kinds of mental health disorders? Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, Let me start by saying that uh, for all of the different kinds of mental disorders that uh, you might think about on a regular basis, I mean, major depression, substance use disorders, even schizophrenia, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, these are all things that are really dimensional in nature. So there are people that have little sort of tendencies in those directions. There are people that are sort of moderately affected, and then there are people that are severely affected. So um, it's not like people either do or don't have a mental disorder. They have various manifestations, and that's true in the realm of personality disorders too. So um, the fact that personality disorders sort of shade from kind of unusual, quirky personality characteristics out to things that are more obvious that doesn't really distinguish them from other kinds of mental disorders. I think 
maybe the the um, the thing that is the biggest difference is that for the most part, people with personality disorders aren't in immediate need of treatment. I mean, a, a person who's in the midst of a manic episode or a person a, a person with schizophrenia who is in a psychotic episode, those people kind of really need immediate treatment and some kind of major treatment. Same for a major episode of depression. But for most personality disorders, these are people who can get by and function on a daily basis without treatment. And, and I, I think that doesn't necessarily mean that treatment isn't warranted. It just makes them a little different. Gotcha. Okay. What are some specific ways that people's lives are impacted by personality disorders or mental health disorders in general? Yeah. Uh, really important question. Uh, because I think the ways in which people's lives are affected is sort of at the, it's, it's the fundamental issue that involves defining and classifying mental disorders. So, you know, there are really interesting debates and arguments about these things across the spectrum of all different mental disorders. I think in, in the world of personality disorders, they are mostly known for disrupting interpersonal relationships. So they get in the way of family activities and marital relationships. They get in the way of working with other people harmoniously in occupational settings. They're, they're just really disruptive. Um, and uh, something that we talked about uh, a couple of days ago is that they one way in which personality disorders are really important is that they can get in the way of establishing a therapeutic relationship with a psychiatrist or psychologist, other kind of mental health workers, uh, engaging in psychological interventions requires a close, trusting, working relationship. And patients who show different kinds of manifestations of personality disorders understandably have more trouble moving ahead in that way, and it makes treatment more difficult. Right. That's interesting. Um, so going, moving on, um, this is going to be a little bit more uh, of a nuanced or, or difficult question, but what are some of the more subtle or hidden impacts of mental health um, on people's lives that might not be so obvious? Uh, and for example, an obvious impact might be that you are you know, less productive at work or school. But, you know, what, what might be some of the more subtle or hidden impacts that people, you know, don't realize? Yeah, so is, your question is, is more broadly based than personality disorders. You're talking sort of across the spectrum. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you, can, you could focus on personality disorders if you, if you know of something um, that's, that you've seen uh, frequently. But otherwise, uh, you know, general can work as well. Well, at the broadest level, I think, um, you know, pe people who experience mental disorders understandably become distressed and puzzled and self-conscious about these experiences. And because of the stigma that's associated with 
mental health problems, at least in our society, I think it that level of being self-conscious and reluctant to talk to other people can again sort of get in your way independent of whatever, the, I mean, whether you're anxious or whether you have suspicions that other people might be trying to harm you or whether you're feeling depressed or you're drinking too much or you're eating in a disordered way. I think it, uh, it, it independent of those symptoms, it just sort of interferes with your ability to relate to other people. Interesting. And I think, I think that's a subtle part of these things that may not be immediately obvious. Although, um, you know, I, one thing that I tell people from the beginning in my abnormal psychology class is that when you're talking about mental disorders, you're really talking about us and not them. And I think at the same time that I'm saying people are self-conscious about these experiences, I think it's important that people recognize that virtually everybody is affected by these things. I mean, the, the literature has shown for 20 or 30 years now that way over half of the population is going to be affected by a mental disorder. They're going to be affected personally at some point during their lives. And then if you start to talk about family members, I mean, parents, siblings, your own children, your closest friends, your coworkers, everybody is touched by these things. So it's kind of a cruel irony that we're all self-conscious about it, yet everybody's affected. Right. And can the can the impacts of, of personality disorder or personality disorders, can those impacts often, um, you know, manifest into, into other mental health disorders? Um, yes. That, I mean, it's, that's certainly part of the clinical folklore as well as some empirical research that uh, defined some of the different forms of personality disorders is the notion that they represent predispositions toward other kinds of disorders. Um, so dependent personality characteristics may be part of the behavioral manifestation of a predisposition to depression. Um, and things like paranoid personality or schizotypal personality, um, I won't bore you with the long definitions of those things, but what some people believe is, I mean, there's no doubt that there are genetic predispositions that increase risk for all of these disorders. And um, some of the different sort of maladaptive forms of personality are presumably early manifestations of that genetic risk. But I mean, there's just a really long uh, complicated, fascinating line of research that sort of leads to that stuff. No, that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. I think that about wraps it up. Jordy, do you have any last uh, thoughts or questions? I just had one more question. So statistically, does that mean it's more common for someone with a mental disorder to have more than one? Or is it not like necessarily having one means you're more likely to have another. I don't know if you know the, the numbers on that. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I'm only laughing because it's another good question. And uh, it's, uh, it's a complicated issue. The, um, there is, again, a long uh, empirical literature on this topic. And let me see if I can do this quickly. The, so the, 
The issue that you're touching on is sometimes recall, called comorbidity or co-occurrence in mental disorders. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, that what the epidemiological literature shows is that uh, a fairly large number of people who qualify for one diagnosis also qualify for another. So, for example, people who qualify for the diagnosis of an anxiety disorder often qualify for the diagnosis of a, a, some form of depression. Uh, people who qualify for a diagnosis of schizophrenia are uh, sometimes also diagnosed with substance use disorders. Um, there's all kinds of overlap. And an interesting thing in that literature is that uh, if, if you want to start counting things in that way, it makes it all seem kind of artificial and you can start arguing about thresholds. But if you do start counting things up that way and identify people who have three or more disorders, whatever that means, uh, those are the people who are most seriously in need of mental health treatment. So um, people... Let's say a person ha is would qualify for a diagnosis of social anxiety disorder. Um, oftentimes, those people don't treatment can be helpful, but it doesn't mean, hey, look, you know, you need to your family or your friends you need to do something about this. But it's when you start stacking up a bunch of those different diagnostic categories on top of each other that it kind of signals a more severe form. Yeah, that does make sense. Well, thank you, Dr. Altmans, for speaking with us about mental health, personality disorders, and their various impacts on, on people's lives. Uh, we really appreciate your time, and yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Happy to chat. Good luck, thank you guys. You. All right, thank you. Yeah, that was a great conversation with Dr. Altmans, and I feel like there's really three main takeaways that we can... Um, come out from that from that conversation and the first one is the impacts um, are, are more on or the impacts of mental health are more on interpersonal relationships you know people with personality disorders especially struggle to maintain healthy relationships the second main takeaway that we really can take from that conversation is personality disorders aren't quite as debilitating as other mental health disorders um, they can actually be managed easier, which is really um, an interesting, uh, you know, takeaway that I, I definitely didn't know before speaking with him. Um, and the last takeaway is that um, CBT and psychotherapy are uh, less effective for most people with personality disorders because to work best, those therapies require a personal working relationship with the therapist, something that many people with personality disorders struggle to maintain. So that kind of connects to the first takeaway that you know pers people with personality disorders may have a hard time with relationships um, and you know that's one of the biggest impacts that they feel um, because of their uh, disorders and yeah another takeaway is just how the impacts go beyond each person's own personal mental health struggles so building on that first takeaway we can see that the impacts of mental health go beyond one person and their own personal struggles with mental health it not only impacts their relationships with others but has an impact on those people maybe their loved ones or the people close to them in their lives who also have to deal with helping 
this person or um, going through the struggles alongside them. In this episode of the Minds and Memoirs podcast, we discuss the different impacts of mental health on your life, external, internal, positive, negative, and everything in between. We spoke with Ivy Watts and heard her story about mental health, and we spoke with Dr. Altman's a professor from WashU, to discover more about the impacts of mental health. In the next episode, we ask ourselves how we know what mental health issues we are dealing with, what are the signs and symptoms to look out for, and we hear from new guests to understand how the signs relate to the various states of our mental health. Once again, this is the Minds and Memoirs podcast. Check out our website, mindsandmemoirs.com, for more information.